Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Nicole Kane, and you're listening to the Home in Place podcast, where I translate theory to practice and create cross-discipline conversations about aging and the importance of place. I am so glad you're here. It was simply delightful talking with Mary Jo Saavedra. Please join me in conversation as we learn more about her path to becoming an aging life care manager and hear about her new book and upcoming projects. As a practicing gerontologist and life planning counselor, Mary Jo has a passion for empowering individuals of all ages to live their best lives. Her certifications include Certified Aging Life Care Manager, Certified Aging in Place Specialist, and Certified Senior Advisor. Mary Jo's book, Elder Care 101, is a well-researched, organized, easy-to-understand guide for families in need of help as they care for their aging loved ones. Each of her pillars, legal, financial, living, social, medical, and spiritual, is explored by an expert and offers best practices and tips for evaluating choices, making decisions, and living well wherever the road may lead. All right, Mary Jo, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, I am just so (laughs) delighted to meet you and sit with you here in person. It's very exciting. I'm a little nervous and also excited. Exciting for me too. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get right into it. So I would love for you to tell me a little more about your story and how you entered into this world and and also your journey with your mom too. Oh, thank you for asking about my mom. She is my inspiration and really my catalyst for um, all the good work I've been doing. And, um, you know, I actually was uh, entering into my Encore career. I had decided to retool. I was in uh, high tech as a youngster and then uh, stayed home, very blessed to raise my daughter, and decided to go back to retool and get into uh, the medical profession quickly learned in my first term that I wanted, uh, I was looking at the business environment as far as administration, and I quickly learned in my first term that I really wanted to get more hands-on, more in the practitioner field, and identified gerontology. And so went to school for gerontology, a three-year program with a thesis, and not long into my thesis, my mother, who was, uh, 91 at the time, uh, had a very serious fall with my sister, uh, who was in her 70s at the time, and it ended up that my mother fainted on um, onto my sister and mm. took both of them to the floor in a kinkos, and it they fell onto an actual shelf, and it really banged them up quite seriously. Oh, they didn't goodness. get cut up or anything like that, but they, they did get banged up, went to different hospitals, and um, all of a sudden, my three brothers and I raced up uh, to be by their sides and help them. It was quite serious. And we all realized, including my mother at that time, that it was no longer safe for them to be on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister had mobility issues and my mother had Alzheimer's disease. So she was pretty high functioning, but nonetheless, it uh, had its challenges. So at that point, I became the caregiver. She came down to Portland to live with me, uh, an immense blessing, and at the same time, something I was wholly unprepared for. Um, Here I was studying aging and how to be a gerontologist, and I knew nothing about caregiving. And so um, she had chosen at that point that she wanted to live in a facility here called Maryville that uh, was run by the sisters. 
and I was excited because it was very close to where I live and I was able to journey with her. But during that time, it was really unsettling to me as a, a practitioner and also as a business person that there was no one place for me to turn to get the tools that I needed uh, to be able to care for her. Was I doing the right thing for her? Was I enough? Um, so all of those uh, caregiving guilt and inadequacies that plague so many caregivers uh, settled right in. And so um, going through that journey, my mother lived for a good six months um, before she got pneumonia and passed away. And I realized at that time that I really did not want anyone else to go through what I had gone through. And I didn't know what that looked like, um, but I knew that embarking on um, a new career was going to very much be focused on that path. So she is very much the reason why I am here today and why I wrote this book. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for telling me that story. Sure. Um, so speaking of the book, mm -hmm. as you were creating this or as through your journey into um, care management and as a gerontologist, you've come up with these six pillars of aging well-being. Yes. And I was wondering if you could elaborate more for us on these six pillars and, and pull, maybe if you have a, even a story, it would be wonderful to, um, to kind of elaborate more, a little bit more on those. Oh, lovely. I would okay. love to share that with you. Well, the six pillars of aging well-being... Um, really did come from this experience of being with my mother, um, an older individual or any of us that we would have to care for are surrounded by many complex systems. And so the six pillars were born out of understanding the systems that surround an older individual when you're the caregiver and allowing us to dive a little bit deeper into finding solutions. Um, that can help us be better caregivers and add a better quality of life to the older individual. So through my private practice, I was able to identify these areas and they are the legal and financial um, systems as well as the living environment that the older individual lives in, their social uh, activities and how they spend their time, and then of course their medical needs. Um, and then the last one, which is probably the most important when we're older adults, is the spiritual aspects, where their meaning is found, and where are they going, and how are, you know, what is that quality of experience at the end of life? So these are the six pillars of aging well-being that I came up with, and it was uh, very meaningful for me to apply these uh, tools to my own clients in private practice because often I was met with um, older adult children trying to do their very best in caring for older parents and having a natural tension exist. You know, older parents, of course, have made decisions all their life and want to continue making their own decisions. And older children, of course, want their parents safe and want us, they think they know what's best. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And so my job was always to bring them to the middle and find where we could compromise in both areas to empower that older adult to have their best life 
and have the caregiver uh, understand that they are enough. What they bring to their parent or to their loved one or to their spouse, they are enough. They're showing up to do this most sacred work of caregiving. Uh, one example I'll share with you, and it really does capture many of these um, different uh, pillars of well-being, is the story of uh, Rob, and that is a fictitious name for, for his benefit, but Rob was uh, a, just a lovely human who called me and uh, was in a very precarious spot, and it was his mother had gotten a new dog, uh, a puppy actually, and she was out walking her dog and she took a tumble. The dog saw a cat and of course went right off to run and pulled his mother down to the floor and uh, to, the, to the sidewalk, to the cement. She bumped her head and she laid there for um, a, a little while before a neighbor noticed and came right over to help her. Um, the neighbor wanted to take her to the hospital and she wouldn't go, she said she'd be fine. And so the neighbor helped her into her home and said, you know, I want to come back and check on you. And she agreed to that. When the neighbor came back, however, she couldn't get anyone to come to the door. She couldn't get her friend to come to the door. And she peeked in through the window and could see that she was laying on the floor. And so she called the paramedics right away and they came and, and broke into the home and were able to take... Um, uh, her name was Lucy. They were able to take Lucy to the hospital. And Lucy was in a coma from mm -hmm. that point on. And so, you know, Rob had come to me really trying to understand what his options were. Her care needs were complex. She needed special ventilation. She did have a pulsed form. Uh, the pulsed form is the, um, the physician's orders for life-sustaining treatment. Uh, that we should all be talking to our doctors about uh, when we're older. Um, she did have very clear directions on there, but he was torn as to the seven-week journey by the time he'd come to me um, that he'd already been on as to what next steps. His mother was starting to change. She was, uh, her body was starting to shut down. The systems were starting to um, be very compromised and challenged. And so he didn't know how to say, okay, enough is enough. And so we spent a good few hours talking about the spiritual impacts of making these types of decisions and where his mother wasn't awake to tell him what to do. Her body was telling him and giving him permission to do exactly what was on that pulsed form. And this was the permission he needed to hear. He needed to know that he was enough, that he was doing his very best. And so he was then able to call his brothers. They intentionally, uh, intentionally, pardon me, flew in to be together with their mother and they brought their mother home and put her on hospice. And when they disconnected her from everything, she lived for about, I believe it was about a day and a half, uh, almost 30 hours. And they were able to say their goodbyes. They were able to be with her and give her a peaceful passing. 
Um, I think this is one of the greatest gifts when we have these tools. In this case, it was as simple and as profound as having paperwork in place to guide your children on what you would like to do if this happened to you. Oh, my goodness. Yes, very profound, very profound. Thank you so much for sharing their story. Yes. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of things in that story, the POLST form, the P-O-L-S-T form. Where can people go to find a form like that or who should they ask? Sure. Well, there's two really good resources. The POLST form is that form that you can talk to your primary care physician about or you can go to POLST.org and a lot of individuals confuse it with the advanced directive. And so just as a brief explanation, the advanced directive is a planning tool. It's a legal form that you do with your lawyer and you fill that out to state what your wishes are to protect your um, well-being and your health for those care decisions. The POST form does the same thing, but it is for emergencies. And it is there, uh, it's assigned a number. Every state has a different form. Uh, They only have three to four questions on the form. They all pertain to, do you want uh, intervention with breathing apparatus? Or do you want nutrition intervention? Do you want to be resuscitated? Uh, Very key elements that you need during an emergency. And it makes it a lot easier for the EMTs and emergency staff if you're in a different state or you're in a car accident or you're at home to be able to get the help that you need. Um, It's not a 100% perfect system. Nothing is uh, because it's fairly new. It was invented here in, in Oregon up at OHSU. And so there's a national database that you actually go into when you sign up. So if someone signs up for this, who should they tell that they've done this? Who should they tell they have a post form? Oh, thank you. That is a great question. Um, It's also a very important one um, because when we fill out these important forms, regardless of what they are, we're making decisions about our choices for end of life and even our living environment we're securing those on our legal forms and on our medical forms. If we don't tell people about them, their first exposure is going to be when they read it on a piece of paper. And it's going to be one or two lines and they're going to be expected to answer all the gray questions that aren't addressed on those papers. So having the conversations is critical and key to share with your family, your children, your loved ones, certainly between spouses and partners, Um, basically who's ever going to be involved in your life long term, you want to make sure having those conversations um, does come up for your wishes so you have a higher chance of having them honored. Um, In the case of Rob, you know, this was a spiritual journey for him in really learning um, what that post form could do for him and and understanding that his mom had left him those those breadcrumbs as to where her life would be going at the end of life, what she would like, and learning that for himself as a caregiver, uh, whether you're caring for someone for 10 years with Alzheimer's or whether you're caring for someone uh, in 10 weeks, in Rob's case, 
this is the long goodbye. This is where the caregiver, um, probably not consciously, doesn't understand, but emotionally and spiritually is brought front and center to the feelings of grief. Uh, that person that you're caring for is still here, but already grieving, saying their goodbyes as that person is still here and transitioning to death. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. So one thing as we start to wrap up, I'd love for you to talk about, and I, um, we, we talked about this offline a little bit, um, <laughs> if it is the Care Manager Guide app that you're creating, and I'm so excited about this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I am too. I am too. I'm really excited. I wish I'd had it as a caregiver. Yes. Right? That's the whole <laughs> right. point. Right. So. Um, Yes, so I am currently working uh, with some brilliant technical minds, I might add, um, to create an app that is a grab-and-go type application that you can use on your iPad that can really be that notebook that all of us caregivers in the trenches have that we're stuffing all our notes and reports and everything we need to know to take care of that other person. Um, this will allow you to do that same flexibility of the type of information you carry um, to be able to take it to all your appointments, uh, whatever they might be. So for the doctor, for the bank, for the lawyers, whatever it is, uh, have those medication lists handy, have all of the legal documents and other documents at your fingertips, um, and really be able to connect with the caregiving tree. In other words, your your siblings, um, your loved ones, your professionals, um, being able to keep everybody on the same page and even as simple as a calendar and when is mom going to the doctor next so that everybody can see and be involved to the level that you want them to, of course. Um, so it's pretty exciting to think that uh, that will be coming soon and uh, really looking, looking forward to introducing that and um, hoping that's received well. That's really exciting because I know that um, what people are, are doing now, I've seen big uh, accordion style folders sure. that you'll carry around. I've even seen um, like a legal pad that people mm-hmm. will staple business cards and make notes for each different appointment. And the challenge with those is that you know, one person has them. Yes. And they're on this piece of paper. And I love this idea of being able to share with the different family members so that yes. people can stay in the loop with all of these things, too. Yes. I had three brothers and a sister that I was coordinating with. And I was um, really blessed in that they all took on a task, meaning a theme of what they would do to help support my mom. And so keeping us all on the same page, this would have been ideal. Uh, We were burning up the phone lines and I was always having, being the one that I was with mom, um, I always had a good hour of work ahead of me at night, uh, just making sure that they were connected and feeling involved and having the critical information they needed to do what they needed to do so I wouldn't have to do it, right? Right, So um, this will address that so that everybody can just be involved in the same community online um, and be able to give a much higher level of care. Yeah. 
Will you be able to record? Now I'm going to get into the details. Sure. Will you be able to record something? Like if you're in a doctor's visit with the elder, are you able to record what the doctor says into? Sure. You will have that ability. Um, Of course, depending on the type of professional that you're talking to, you always have to get permission. There's HIPAA. And so I don't believe any doctor would be willing to talk too intimately about a patient, especially into a recorder. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have those powers of attorney in place, Mm -hmm. um, certainly there will be filters within the app that will allow for a secure HIPAA uh, uh, level type of security to be able to um, have documents and have directions from the doctor. Oftentimes, people send their hired caregivers with an older adult to a doctor appointment if they're a working professional. And so this would be a critical aspect to be able to, at the very least, take notes Uh, and have the doctor check the notes to make sure they're appropriate and correct, uh, let alone be able to record the important pieces. So I think that will really fill in a gap there. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was Mm -hmm. thinking. That's fantastic. Okay. So as we wrap up here, just a couple more minutes, I would love for you to shout out a call to action. So I like to end the podcast with, with an actionable step that our listeners can take. So what would you like the call to action to be to our listeners today? Oh, fantastic. Um, I would have to point them back to my website at eldercarebook.com to be able to download the free notebook, uh, paper notebook for now uh, that they can use, but also sign up with their emailing address to keep in the loop to find out when that app is actually going to uh, hit hit our iPads and our phones, our smartphones, but then also to spread the word about the book. Um, this is my, my mission is very simple. I want to reach as many people as possible with this toolbox of um, this roadmap of where they can go and, and how they can care for others um, so that they don't have to go through what I've gone through and also what Rob has gone through, right? So that they see the benefits of having these tools and knowing how they can help their loved ones, give them peace of mind. Absolutely, absolutely. And I wanna give a special call out to my occupational therapy and my other gerontology folks that are listening because I wish that I had had this book when I was going through my gerontology program. I think that this, it really does, not only is it a roadmap for the caregivers who are going through this, but it is perfect for the professionals who are trying to help guide these people as they're going through it. And so I strongly recommend social workers, gerontologists, occupational therapists. I think this would even be beneficial to the architects who are out there listening who are designing buildings that are specifically for aging who or who are designing houses where people are growing older and who are living longer. So I think this is a, a wonderful, wonderful book. So Mary Jo, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Nicole, it it has been an absolute pleasure and I wish you the very best and thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much to Mary Jo. As you can tell, I had a wonderful time talking with her. Thank you also for listening to Home and Place Podcast. You can find links to the items we discussed on the website, homeandplacepodcast.com. Please subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It really does help more people find the podcast. 
If you have show ideas, I would love to hear them. Reach out on my website or social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Home and Place. I'm your host, Nicole Kane. I'm the owner of Home and Place Project, Rethinking the Built Environment. With a background in occupational therapy, environmental gerontology, and training as a certified aging and place specialist, I help homeowners, researchers, and businesses go beyond ADA to create beautiful and inclusive environments. My work is based in solid research and guided by a deep appreciation for the power of place and importance of personal choice. To connect, collaborate, or just find out more about me and my work, visit my website, homeandplaceproject.com. Special thanks to the Audio Information Network of Colorado for broadcasting this episode to their radio listeners. Learn more about them at aincolorado.org. And finally, thank you to Delia for composing and performing this original music. Take us home, Delia. <laughs>